2: Well, hello world. Happy New Year to you. No, it's fine. I'm only a month late. That counts. Hope you're all well, and I hope that this 202nd decade of the old Anno Domini era is treating you well. On the plus side, so nice to be able to decipher the Roman numerals in films these days, right? Like before, you think to yourself, oh, I wonder what year this was made. Here come the Roman numerals, yes, mcm ah it's gone wikipedia it is Nowadays it's just MMXX, which looks like the way my daughter signs her text messages, but which even an old fogey like me can tell means 2020. So what does this year have in store for this show? Well, I have lots more classic movies to tell you about, obviously. I'm going to go a bit harder on the radio side, too. There's a world of old-time radio that I adore, so I'm going to definitely hear more of that. I've got shows coming up on Billy Wilder, Eric Bloor, Edward Everett Horton, Catherine Hepburn, Greta Garbo, Barbara Stanwyck. Over on The Secret History of Hollywood, I'll soon be launching Carrie, my series on the life of Carrie Grant. I'm so excited about it. I can't begin to describe how much I'm looking forward to getting it out there. It's so, so different from the other series. I know I say this every time, but wait till you hear it. I'm so proud of it. And alongside all of that, especially for those of you who've signed up as co-producers of the shows at patreon.com slash attaboysecrets, I have bonus versions of the Attaboy Clarence shows going out all the time, Blueprints, the mini version of The Secret History of Hollywood that's going out way more now. I'm just finishing the ebook version of Shadows, that's going out soon, more movie commentaries, film club nights, there's merchandise on the way... And so much more to tell you about when I get the okay from certain people. So yeah, busy year coming up, and so honoured to have you along. Today, for example, I have a Brighton Strangler competition for you. I have a Roland Young movie to tell you about. I have an Audrey Hepburn movie to tell you about. I have a very cool radio episode coming up later, too. Let's slip back into the rhythm, though, with Jesse Matthews. And everything's in rhythm with my heart.
1: Everything. Oh.
2: Thank you, Miss Matthews. Before I go any further, I should alert you to the fact that there's a new edition of The Dark Pages. If you're a noir addict, then you are well served indeed by the newest edition, a giant edition no less, featuring a closer look at 1953 classic The Big Heat. There's a look at the women in the film, the scenery in the film, an inside look at the infamous coffee-throwing scene and spotlights on Glenn Ford, Gloria Graham, Lee Marvin, Fritz Lang, and much, much more. There's even a Big Heat-themed word search puzzle. You'll be a Big Heat expert by the time you finish it. It's truly one for the library. To get your copy now, go to www.allthatnoir.com. Maybe you have a question. Well, throw it into the question pot. Strangely, there is no next line. Well, maybe I'll read your question Out on the show or maybe not Now here's someone with a handbell The Question Pot has been receiving dozens of entries in the past few weeks Let's see which one floats to the top This is from Doreen Whees. Doreen writes Thank you for making my commute enjoyable again You're so welcome, Doreen If having my voice along for the ride makes it more enjoyable Then I shudder to think of the sheer hell were riding through before. Doreen continues, my question is this, is there anybody in show business today, men and women, that you feel compared to those in the golden age? Clark Gable, Gregory Peck, Carol Lombard, Vivian Lee, even Elizabeth Taylor a little later, because I can't name one person now who comes even close. Well, Doreen, the classic name that lazy pundits seem to drag out every time this question comes up is George Clooney. They say he's the nearest thing to Cary Grant that we have now They're right, he is the nearest thing to Cary Grant, but Cary Grant he ain't. There's a reason that you and I, and millions like us, are still obsessed with the golden age of Hollywood. It's the reason that generations beyond us will be obsessed with it. And the reason is that that period, that enchanted moment in time, could only have happened when it did, and it's utterly unrepeatable. These people were gods and remained so because they had that one quality that's unfortunately unattainable to this generation's stars. And that quality is mystery. The world these days has complete access to anyone. And so they get bored. And unfortunately, granting that access is the price that stars have to pay now. So on this occasion, I will unfortunately have to admit defeat to your question. There aren't any stars that can possibly compare to the Golden Age legends, even if they wanted to. And that's okay. It's okay for things to change, as long as we don't ever forget the past. Oh, actually, Ryan Reynolds is a bit like the new Bob Hope, I guess. Have a Canterbury. Canterbury and have a safe drive to work. Next question is from Brad Michael. Brad has a short, sharp query. Adam, would you consider doing an Attaboy episode featuring Charles Coburn? Of course I would, Brad. I love Charles Coburn, and I'm sure that many others do too. Let me write that one down. I must do that episode very soon. Thank you for the suggestion, Brad. Have a Canterbury. Canterbury. Next question is from Bonnie Miller. Hey, Bonnie. Bonnie writes, thank you again, Adam, for your wonderful podcasts. I'm sure my friends are sick of hearing me recommending they listen to both. Bonnie, absolutely guaranteed they are. Be nice to your friends and give them a break. write them a letter instead. Bonnie writes, since it's the holidays, I have two related questions. I may have missed it, but have you reviewed Holiday Inn? Nope, I have not, Bonnie. Yes, says Bonnie, one music number is incredibly problematic, but I prefer it to White Christmas. I think that's a general consensus. Yes, Bonnie, it has a hideously racist musical number, but it's still better than White Christmas. There, now I have reviewed it. Second, says Bonnie, the music for the Question Pot song, which I have a little dance routine for, you have to stick that on YouTube, sounds a lot like the song the boys are dancing to in front of the theatre in the beginning of Holiday Inn. Do my ears deceive me? Thanks again, Pets the and best to you and yours, Dramoshag. Dramoshag. Your ears are definitely deceiving you i'm afraid it's not the same tune in fact i think the question pots theme song was written about 30 years after that movie came out so definitely not the same one sorry but hey thank you for the question and my somewhat late festive greetings to you and yours also as well as my fondest wishes for your year ahead thanks bonnie have a canterbury Canterbury. and remember if you have a question go to www.attaboyclarence.com Scroll down the homepage and drop it into the question pot. Thank you. So throw your flipping questions into the shiny question pot. You might hear your question next time. So until then, get your thinky cap on for the question pot. Okay, that's the end. And talking of Canterbury's, I have the most marvellous competition for all you fans of John Loder's infamous Brighton Strangler.
3: For yourself and your family.
1: A very happy Christmas.
2: Courtesy of the very generous Newt's Classic Movie Store, I have four copies of The Brighton Strangler on DVD to give to you, lucky lot. Yes, you can own your very own copy of Mr. Canterbury Triangular Walking Strangler Man for your very own self. And before you ask, I have two NTSC copies for all you stateside people and two PAL versions for all you non-statesy people. Entering is a complete breeze. All you have to do is visit Newt's Classic Movie Store by either going to newtsproducts.com. That's N-E-W-T-S products.com or by following the link to the same in the show notes. When you get there, you'll see all his wonderful movies for sale. On the top row, right in the middle, you'll see a very famous kids' movie that I reviewed some time ago on this podcast. Just send me the name of that movie to adam at attaboyclarence.com along with the word NTSC or PAL, depending on which version you want to win. So name of the movie followed by PAL or NTSC to adam at attaboyclarence.com and I'll announce the winner on the very next show. And good luck and have a Canterbury.
3: Canterbury.
2: While I'm here, I'll just also say a quick hello to Nicola and to Ben from The Unruly, because I promised them I would. Hi, you guys. And on we go to some movies then. First up, 1957's Love in the Afternoon, directed by Billy Wilder and starring Audrey Hepburn, Gary Cooper, and Maurice Chevalier. Otherwise known as the film that makes everyone go to Wikipedia to check how old Gary Cooper was at the time. Setup is very nice and very wilder. Young and innocent French music student Ariane played by Hepburn, falls head over heels in love with a serial philandering businessman from America, Frank Flanagan, played by Gary Cooper, against the backdrop of
1: Paris. This is the city, Paris, France. It is just like any other big city. London, New York, Tokyo. Except for two little things. In Paris, people eat better. And in Paris, people make love well. Perhaps not better, but certainly more often.
2: When it becomes clear to Ariane that she means nothing to Flanagan and is destined to be one more notch on his bedpost, she decides to play him at his own game and invents for herself a dazzlingly long list of imaginary lovers and an equally torrid history of passion to match in order to ignite Flanagan's jealousy. Dear Mr.
1: Flanagan, in reply to your inquiry as to the number of men in my life, Here's an itemized list, to the best of my recollection. Item one, a red-headed algebra teacher. Item two, a very sweet boy who is now a missionary in French Equatorial Africa. Item three, a, a riding instructor, formerly a Cossack.
2: That's kind of the setup in a nutshell. Ariane is aided and abetted by her father Claude, played by Maurice Chevalier, a private detective who's been keeping track of Flanagan's romances over the years? The hook comes from the fact that Flanagan is only ever a visitor to Paris and spends his time trying to fit in as much romance as possible. Ariane only agrees to date him in the afternoons, as she's far too busy with her many other lovers in the
1: evening, and therefore that's where we get our title. Look, we've simply got to see each other again. How about tomorrow night? Oh, I forgot you can't make it tonight. night. How about tomorrow afternoon? Mr. Flanagan... Same hotel, same suite. I have too many dates. Four o'clock, don't disappoint me.
2: Firstly, it has to be said, this is an incredibly risque movie. Billy Wilder's script is deliciously naughty. It's all double entendres and overt suggestions. This is most definitely a world in which people are having a lot of sex. People are eating each other's faces off on street corners. They're dodging into hotel rooms and pulling down the blinds. If you're of the opinion that Paris is the place for lovers, you'll believe it even more so once you've seen this. You can't really tread too far into this film, though, without addressing that glaring obstacle for most, the leads. So to save your trip, Audrey was 28 when this was made and Gary Cooper was 56. He was double her age. He was more than old enough to be her father. Matters aren't helped by the fact that Audrey is radiantly youthful in this, and Cooper is definitely in his dotage. I mean, Cary Grant was arguably still looking youthful enough to pull off romantic roles, but God bless him, Cooper really does look a bit like a dirty old man in this. It's a shame. Apparently, Cary Grant was offered the role first and turned it down because he could plainly see that the age difference was insurmountable and would look kind of weird on screen. Wilder asked Cooper to play it because he liked hanging around with him socially, and while that may have been a good enough reason to socialize, it does turn the film into a slightly awkward experience. Audrey seemed to have this problem a lot. In her early roles, she had to romance an aging Humphrey Bogart in Sabrina, An aging Gary Cooper in this, she was smooching a 51-year-old Henry Fonda in War and Peace. I love Fred Astaire, but he was 58 when he was romancing a 27-year-old Audrey in Funny Face. I mean, I get why men of a certain age must have seen him and thought, wow. But also, you kind of wish they'd had a little of Cary Grant's restraint. But that element aside, you know what? The film's very well written. It has a great concept. The production design is stunning. I mean, you really feel as though you've visited Paris when you've seen this. And I don't mean a tourist's Paris. I mean the lovely walled gardens and side streets and bistros that cause couples to fall in love. And it also contains that trademark Billy Wilder sting in the tale. The one where he leads you into believing that you're watching a frothy little confection and then suddenly he pulls the rug out from beneath you and you find yourself wearing your own tears. I really enjoyed it. If you can see past the age thing and it takes a little effort, you'll find yourself in the company of some very likeable and very watchable stars in a quite insubordinate romantic comedy that's beautiful to look at and easy to fall in love with. Definitely check it out if you haven't seen it. All the way back now to 1933, squarely in the pre-code era and in the company of Roland Young and Genevieve Tobin. It's all aboard for subterfuge, romance and laughs in
1: Pleasure Cruise. Would you mind if I ask you something that's none of my business? Probably, what is it? Are you happy with Shirley? No. You mean you're not in love with her anymore? Oh, I'm more in love with her than ever. That's the trouble. I don't understand. I'm jealous.
2: Roland Young plays Andrew Poole, a former playboy who lost his fortune in the depression and who's been living off the income brought in by his wife Shirley, played by Tobin. But he's become a bit of an old nag, and deciding they both need a break, they agree to go on separate vacations.
1: There's the idea for you. There's your chance. Pleasure cruises.
4: Why don't you take one of those?
1: What a good idea.
4: You mean you'd really go?
1: Well, why not?
4: (laughs) Why not indeed, if you want to. Nothing like a pleasure cruise for jaded wives taking their holidays alone. Ten days' flirtation in romantic surroundings, no one watching them, except people who are doing the same thing
1: themselves. No questions, no responsibilities.
2: <laughs> Shirley books herself onto a luxury ocean liner, and so does Andrew. So convinced is he that his wife is in the market for a new romance that he takes a job as a ship's barber so that he can spy on and foil any potential romances his wife may find.
1: Have you a bathing suit for me? Yes, sir.
2: Pardon me, sir. It was the lady who just left a Mrs. Poole.
4: Yes. Yes, I thought so, sir. Her, her husband was a customer of mine in the shop where I worked before I
1: came here. Oh, really? Oh, yes, sir. Such a nice gentleman, sir. Yes. Uh, do you happen to know if he's out of prison yet? Prison?
4: Yes, sir. He went to prison. He hit another gentleman with a niblick.
1: What? On the
4: golf course? No, sir. In his wife's boudoir. It's a very jealous disposition, I hear.
1: Thank you. Not at all, Tom. Yeah. I don't think the I want the bathing suit
2: after all. <laughs> I won't spoil what happens next, although I suspect you'll be able to imagine what happens next. Yes, Andrew employs all types of deceit and tricks and lies to ward away his wife's potential lovers, all while trying to remain hidden amongst the crew of the ship. It's a really fun movie. Again, you have that really factor a little bit. I mean, I love Roland Young, but I don't look at him and think dashing romantic lead. He's Topper, you know? He's Mr. Fotheringay. He's the stuffy writer who haplessly saves the day. He's not Clark Gable. He's not William Powell. And yet he's sort of being asked to be here. That works both ways. You really do root for him, despite all his shenanigans. And Genevieve Tobin is brilliant. She's hounded by wolves all over the film and is sorely tempted by the thrill of a new romance. Plus, she's having her pleasure cruise thrills thwarted at every turn by her unseen husband. You do feel for her, and my goodness, she was never more glamorous or attractive. You can't blame all these men for falling at her feet. It's rounded off by a lovely finale. It doesn't overstay its welcome at all, and it ends with a very sly wink and a nod that could only really have been possible in the pre-code era. It's saucy, it's funny, it's smart, it's romantic, and it's one of the more joyful films I've discovered lately. If you like your pre-code rom-coms with a dash of spice, do give 1933's Pleasure Cruise a whirl. On to some radio for you then. Roland Young kicked off this very podcast with a delightful turn in suspense, and ever since, he's remained a perennial favourite here. His most celebrated role, of course, was in Topper, with Cary Grant and Constance Bennett, in which he plays a hen-pecked and stuffy little banker named Cosmo Topper, who's haunted by the ghosts of Grant and Bennett and slowly but surely turned into a lion instead of a mouse. It was incredibly successful and spawned two sequels, Topper Takes a Trip and Topper Returns, both of which featured Topper again being haunted. It was even turned into a TV series in the 50s starring Leo G. Carroll in the Roland Young role. But did you know that Topper was also transferred to radio in the 40s and that Roland Young once again reprised the role in a new series of ghostly comic adventures? I'm very proud today to present an episode of that very series in which Topper goes to extraordinary lengths to avoid a visit from his mother-in-law. Yes, this one is called, I kid you not, Topper pretends to be dead. (laughs) So I'll leave you in the company of Roland Young and I'll see you afterwards. I must remember that
3: trick. The Adventures of Topper starring Roland Young. The Adventures of Topper is a new comedy series based on Thorn Smith's hilarious bestseller and is brought to you by the makers of those bubbly light crisper cornflakes post Toasties. We toast them crisp, we toast them light, you can tell by the taste, we toast them, they're a tasty treat, so good to eat,
5: delicious and light from toast them, toast And you know
3: what? We like them.
5: And
3: now let's meet Topper.
4: Hello, my name is Cosmo Topper. I suppose some of you have a couple of friends who are considered nobodies. Well, I have a couple of friends who actually have nobodies. A pair of ghosts named George and Marion Kirby and the trouble they've caused me. If things continue as they are, they'll be the death of me yet. As a matter of fact, they nearly were last week. You see, last Saturday, I was in my bedroom packing when people Cosmo! Oh,
0: Cosmo, what are you doing? Packing?
4: Well, I have to go on a trip... Business trip, pretty urgent.
0: But, Cosmo, you know my mother is coming to pay us a visit today. This business trip must have come up very suddenly. Did,
4: Melvina, did, yes. But
0: I only told you my mother was coming last night. When did this trip become so urgent? Last night. Oh, Cosmo. Every time Mother comes to visit us, it seems you have to go away on a business trip. Mother's only going to be here for two weeks.
4: Well, I'll only be gone for two weeks.
0: (laughs) Cosmo, you don't appreciate my mother... Why, she and Dad were always so fond of you. Right up to the time he died, Dad wanted to make you a partner in his business. Yes,
4: I know, Melvina.
0: And after he died, Mother wanted to give you his business.
4: I know, Melvina. She still wants to give me the business.
0: <laughs> Cosmo, I know why you want to get out of town. You probably imagine that you're going to keep a rendezvous with a dead curvy. Oh,
4: no, Melvina, nothing like that. Well,
0: you can't deny that you still see them, Cosmo. Why, only last night you had another of those dreams of yours. Did I, Melvina? Your dreams, you used to complain that George Kirby annoyed you. Then Marion was kissing you. And last night I distinctly heard you say something about Marion being on your lap.
4: Yes, Melvina, I, uh... I guess my dreams are getting better all the time.
0: <laughs> well, it's about time you got that delusion out of your head, Cosmo. You know the Kirbys were buried a long time ago.
4: Yes, and, uh... They've been kicking kicking dirt in my eyes ever since.
0: Well, let's not dwell on those dead curbies, Cosmo. We were talking about you going away. And you're not going.
4: But why can't I go, Melvina?
0: Well, let us tell Because you've got a cold. I distinctly heard you sneeze.
4: But, Melvina, I didn't sneeze.
0: Well, I didn't. And there's no one else in this bedroom. Oh, there. Now, how do you explain that second sneeze?
4: Oh, well, um... Maybe one good germ deserves another.
0: Oh, poor Cosmo. You are ill. Well, Melvina, I didn't. But another word out of you now. You're going straight to bed. Start undressing. Now, go on. Get out of
5: the covers.
0: And I'll bring you your hot water bottle.
4: Couldn't you bring me something else? I've been going to bed with a hot water bottle for years.
0: (laughs) Cosmo, isn't it lucky Mother's coming? She'll nurse you back to health. You know what her nursing
4: did for father. Yes, Melvina, but he would have died anyway.
0: <laughs> oh, dear Cosmo, get under those covers immediately. Now go on. Give me your pants. Put on the pants, Cosmo.
4: You want to wear this pair too, Melvina?
0: <laughs> now when I come back, I want to see you under those covers.
4: George, Marion, just because you're invisible, you needn't think I don't know you're here.
5: Hello, Topper. Hello, Chopper.
4: All the dirty tricks you two have pulled, the sneezing act was the dirtiest. And you keep a man from escaping his mother-in-law, well, no wonder they call you low plain spirit.
6: Well, Topsy, we couldn't help it. George
7: has a cold. <coughs> a bad cold.
4: Sir, the ghost of the cold, and I suppose if you had a body every bone in it would ache.
7: Oh, Topper, this is no time of kidding. Even a ghost can catch cold, you know.
4: Well, you got caught with your sheets down. Oh.
7: <laughs> oh, cut it out, will you, Topper? It's very simple. I was trying to get to heaven last night. Well, it's quite a climb. I got tired, and decided to rest in one of those fluffy
6: clouds.
4: How should I know it was a rain cloud? That's the way you caught cold.
6: Don't let him hand you that. He got caught in a draft between two swinging doors.
7: Oh, what difference does it make now? I've got the chills. Come on, Topper, move over. Will you let me get in between those warp blankets?
4: Nothing doing. You made my bed, but I'm the only one who's going to lie in it.
7: Oh. Popsy
6: dear, how can you be so cruel? George is sick. He needs medical attention.
4: Sure, that's right.
7: Topper, you're the only one we could come to.
4: George, I'm always the only one you can come to. Why don't
7: you do stray
4: spirits go back where you belong?
7: But Topper,
6: we can't get into heaven yet.
4: I was not pointing in that direction.
6: (laughs) Oh. Well, all you have to do is let George share the bed with you, darling. And I'll be here to nurse the two of you. Sure, Topper.
7: I will be a regular Florence
4: Nightingale. Nightingale? I suppose that's our newest way of giving me the bird.
6: Don't be such an old But Now go on. Move over. Yeah, come
5: on,
4: will you? Come on. And don't hog all the
7: plank. Come on. Well, here, George? Oh. oh, boy.
4: Sure, tough. Sure. Oh, it isn't so bad with me at the same
6: bed with you, is
7: it?
6: How do you feel?
4: Like a candidate for Martha Nym.
6: Now stop that. There's no use in being dejected. The sooner George gets better, the sooner you'll get out of bed.
4: And how is George going to get better?
6: Oh, it's very simple. When you get treated, George gets treated. When you take medicine, George takes medicine. Whatever you get, George gets.
4: Really? Hand me the arsenic, will you?
5: Oh, Topper, Oh, are you in bed? If you want,
6: come. Now, remember, if she wants to give you any medicine, ask her for some more for George, and we'll do the rest. Oh,
5: God.
0: No, you took my advice. Now, don't you feel better in bed? Oh, warm and comfortable. Yes, Melvina. But, Cosmo, why are you so far over on the right? Why don't you get over more to the center of the bed?
4: Well, I, um, I hate to be a road
0: hog, Melvina. Oh, Cosmo, don't be silly. Oh, you poor dear. Oh, but don't you worry. I've got just the thing for you. Mother's favorite mixture. She's been enjoying this mixture for years. With
4: or without the olives?
0: Oh, don't be insulting. It's just a simple remedy of sulfur and yeast.
4: No, no, not sulfur and yeast, Melvina. Now, open
0: your mouth. There. That's right. Now, just one teaspoonful for me.
4: Oh. Oh. Oh, that was bitter.
0: And now one (laughs) teaspoonful for Uncle Harry.
4: No, Melvina, we're not going through all your relatives. I can't take any more of this, Melvina. Don't
0: you be selfish. You get some more of that medicine for George. What was that?
4: I said, leave the bottle on the night table. I may want some later.
0: Oh, you do like the medicine. How wonderful. You drink the whole bottle down right now. Here. A little more now. Uh, uh, oh. Oh,
4: I'm drowning. Take that bottle away. Oh,
0: just a little more. Cosmo, you bit my fingers. You're getting violent. must
3: have gone to your head. Oh, I'll call the doctor immediately. Well, a deal like this shouldn't be tough to take at all. Why, before you know it, you'd be able to sit up and take nourishment again. Some delicious post-toasties. You know, there's nothing quite as refreshing as heaping bowl full of those golden brown flakes swimming in rich milk. Yes, in Post Toasties you have grand sunny flavor combined with a bubbly lightness so that every spoonful is toasty and crisp to the last delicious bite. Add to that the nourishment value in a single bowl full of Post Toasties and you have some idea why it's one of America's favorite breakfast cereals. You'll find that Post Toasties are rich in food energy and supply important food values of the whole grain. So that's why we urge you to buy him and try him, friends. You'll like him.
5: George, oh, Topper,
6: the doctor's arrived. I heard him talking to Malvina. It's the Dr. Blight.
4: Dr. Blight, you mean that old bone crusher? Yeah, who is he? I don't want any old buzzard poke into my
6: acupuncture.
4: mind you, my invisible friend. It's my body that's going to get the abuse.
6: George sure, stop belly aching. Dr. Blight's one of the most expensive men in town.
4: It's Dr. Blight, all right. Just one of his massages means the difference between a spry young man and a tired old one.
7: Really, Jonathan? You mean, you're a tired old man and in one treatment you leave a spry young man? Not
4: exactly, George. If when you leave, you're the tired old man. He's not going to lay a hand on me. I'm going. Oh,
6: no, you can't run out on us now. If you do, George will never get medical attention.
4: I'll stay with that bone crusher. I'll need medical attention.
7: Hey, honey. Honey, I got an awful funny feeling. The, this coal's playing havoc with my ectoplasm. I feel as if I'm going to materialize. But you can't materialize. Doctor will be here in a minute. I'm sorry, stop. I, I can't control it. Here I go. <laughs> mm. Well, how do I look?
4: George, I hate to say it, but you look better invisible.
0: in this room, Dr. Bly. Go right in. George, get under the covers. Quick, hide. Oh... Cosmo, dear. Now we're going to find out just what's wrong with you. Here's Dr. Blythe to examine you.
4: Well, 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 well. And how are we today? Well, fine. I mean, I'm fine.
0: Oh, Cosmo, what on earth are your feet doing out of the cupboard? Oh, yes. Cosmo, I never realized your feet were so large. Well.
4: The yeast went to my feet, Melvin.
0: Cosmo, pull those feet under the covers. Do you hear me? We'll have
4: to talk louder, Melvin. I guess my feet are asleep.
0: Oh, stop this nonsense and pull those feet in
7: immediately.
4: Truth of the matter is I can't control those feet. Mm Hmm.
7: Very interesting. You mean we can't walk on our
4: feet, Mr. Topper? Believe me, Doctor, I wish I could get those feet to take a walk. Well, then let's take a look at our big feet. No, you, you mustn't touch those feet. Besides, the cold is in my head. Oh? <laughs> head or feet, uh, to me, there's no difference. No? It'll be interesting to see you kiss your wife goodnight.
7: Uh. <laughs> <clears throat> uh,
4: yes, I... Uh,
7: well, now, uh, what you need, Mr. Topper, is one of my special deluxe treatments. It'll raise Mr. Topper's temperature, raise Mr. Topper's blood pressure, raise Mr. Topper's circulation... And lower Mr. Topper's bank account. And now, are we ready for our first little exercise? Uh, it's very similar to artificial respiration. Now, just turn over, Mr. Topper, while I kneel on the side of the bed. What side, Doctor?
4: <laughs>
0: turn over, Cosmo.
4: Oh, all right, Melvina. Now, 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 now. Let's get on with our little
7: treatment. Now, I put my hands on the small of your back, and then I
0: press down, Dr.
7: not so, uh, oh. Now, now, now we begin. And up. Oh, is the bad air. Oh. In comes the good. Bad air. Oh. In comes the good. Oh. oh, my, 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 What's the matter? More bad
4: air coming in than good. <laughs> no now, now, I'm sure this is doing us a
0: lot of good, Mr. Topper. Why don't we try to breathe? Now, let me show us
7: how. Like this. <laughs> like this. Yes, just like this.
5: <laughs> I
4: can't. I'm not that sick.
5: Oh, now, now, now,
4: here for our second step. Shall we try it, Mr. Topper? It's very strenuous. I have to work my fingers to the bone. Yes, my bone. <laughs> Mr. Topper, this happens to be my famous bone treatment. Now, first
0: we start with our legs.
7: I grab our legs and then I bend them at our knees like this. That's
5: <laughs> oh.
4: to me, we detect the sound of creaking, Mr. Copper. Oh, well, no matter. A little more work and you know what will happen. We'll detect the sound of breaking.
0: <laughs> Cosmo, don't try to be funny. The doctor's only trying to help you.
4: Well, that's enough for the time being. Now we'll take our pulse and temperature. Oh, thank goodness. And if the results aren't good enough, we'll repeat the treatment immediately. Oh, no. What
6: you need to see a pulse? George will take his hand out of the cupboard. Now, here we are. Let's take this thermometer and put it in our mouth. Hey, Chopper, give it to me. I'll put it in my mouth while the doctor. Is looking?
7: And now for our pulse. Let me have your hand, Mr. Chopper. Oh, hmm. my, my, my. Good heavens.
0: Oh, what's the matter, doctor? By heavens, there is no pulse.
5: Oh, what does that mean, doctor? Mean it
7: means the man is dead. Oh, here, here, Helen. that thermometer?
5: Here
4: it is, doctor. Oh,
7: no. No, I don't believe it. He has no temperature at all. He's dead. He is dead. Doctor, I'm talking to you. Yes, I know, I know. You're talking to me, but you're dead. Oh, no, what am I saying? you're, You're dead and you're talking to me. Oh, I must be going crazy. Oh, let me out of here. I'm going to see a doctor.
0: Cosmo, there's something very peculiar about this. You may be dead to the doctor, but you'd better be alive when my mother gets here.
7: Topper, old man, thanks to you, I'm on my feet again. cold seems all gone.
6: Oh, it does. If you ask me, all George needed was to sleep off his hangover. I
7: suppose
4: George was put in the best of condition by the beating I took.
5: <laughs> Topper
4: had put me right into the pink. We even look in the pink. Now that you've recovered your health, why don't you two lovable spirits run off and leave me to attend the mercies of my mother-in-law.
6: Oh, but Topsy, we're not ungrateful. Now, George and I are going to help you. Sure, Topper.
7: We have a great
6: plan, a wonderful idea.
4: Oh, no, no. No more of your ideas. Your first idea put me in a sickbed. I suppose your next idea will put me in a coffin.
6: Why, Topper, that is the idea. How'd you guess?
4: Oh, no, not a coffin. A,
7: a Topper, it, it's so simple. Uh, you want to go get away from your mother-in-law, you'll, you'll have to get out of the house. And the doctor thinks you're dead, doesn't he? So you go out of the house in a coffin. Uh,
4: how can I play dead?
6: Well, you could get sick.
4: No, the whole plan isn't feasible. To be carried out in a coffin, you must have a death certificate. <laughs> we have taken care of that. When Dr. Flight was here, Marion just stole the death certificate right out of his bag. She did? Now, there's a doctor who comes to his patients prepared.
5: <laughs> but
4: I
7: won't. I can't. Oh, come on. Be reasonable, Topper. mother in law is coming in a couple of hours. Melvina's blocking your way. You don't want to be stuck in this house for two weeks, do you? Heaven forbid.
4: Well, well this plan might out of the house, and...
6: And if Melvina thinks you're dead, maybe she'll appreciate you a little more in the future.
4: But, um, how am I going to convince Melvina that I'm dying? (laughs) You are going to play a deathbed scene.
6: And at the end, we've
4: arranged for your spirit to go to heaven. My spirit to go to heaven, aren't we carrying this plan a little too far?
6: Don't be silly, darling. George will be the spirit. And all you have to do is say, Heaven is calling! There goes my spirit! And that'll be George's cue so have to half-materialize in a misty light. Sure, that's it.
7: Now, Topper, I've got to call the undertaker, but I'll be back inside from a cue.
6: Oh, Topsy. Topsy, this is going to be the greatest deathbed scene since Camille.
4: But, man, I hardly look like Gambo, you know.
6: Now, darling, Melvina's in the next room. You go right ahead and call her. As if you were very, very ill. I'll... Well, I'll try. Melvina!
4: Oh, Melvina, come quickly! Oh,
0: yes, Cosmo, I'm coming. What is it?
4: Oh, Melvina... I think the time has come.
0: Cosmo, what is it?
4: Melvina, I think I'm dying. Oh,
0: Cosmo, don't speak like that. How can you say you're dying? Exactly what part of your body hurts?
4: I don't know, Melvina. I'm dying all over.
0: <laughs>
5: Gee,
0: maybe you'll feel better if I make you more comfortable. Now, I'll I'll straighten your blanket. There. Cosmo. Cosmo. This piece of paper on your bed. Paper? What paper? Why, Cosmo, it's a death certificate. Your death certificate. Signed by Dr. Blythe. Oh, but Cosmo, you're not dead yet.
4: Well, he was so sure he probably left it in anticipation. Oh,
0: Cosmo, you mustn't die. Oh, you mustn't leave me. Oh, isn't there something
7: I can do for you?
4: Alvina, you've done enough already.
5: But I forgive you. Oh, Cosmo,
0: if you only wouldn't die. You could come and go just
7: as you please. Regina,
4: well, why didn't you tell me that 15 minutes ago?
7: <laughs> and now you're leaving me, Cosmo. You're going far away. Far,
5: far away. <laughs>
4: I hadn't planned on going that far.
0: <laughs> oh, Cosmo, dear, in your last moment, are you thinking of me? What thoughts
4: are running through your brain? Well, I. I'm seeing my life pass before my eyes. Oh, yes.
5: Yes,
4: Cosmo. I'm seeing my carefree boyhood, my happy youth. And now, I'm getting married to you, Melvin. Yes.
0: Yes. What do you see now, Cosmo?
4: I've seen enough, Melvin. <laughs> oh,
0: Cosmo.
4: And now the time is getting short. Heaven is calling. There goes my spirit.
5: Oh, Cosmo, don't say that.
4: Heaven is calling. There goes my spirit.
0: Oh, Cosmo, this must be the moment.
4: Heaven is calling. There goes my spirit.
0: Dear, why do you repeat that?
4: I don't know what's holding up my spirit.
0: (laughs)
6: But George hasn't come back yet, cop. I guess I'll have to take a hand. Oh, no, no, no.
0: Cosmo. Cosmo, what's happening? There seems to be a wisp of smoke about the bed.
4: No, Mary, no. Oh, what?
0: Wife, it's beginning to take form. Well, oh, that couldn't be your spirit, Cosmo. It's forming in the shape of a woman.
4: Maybe it's a messenger from heaven.
0: Why, oh, the spirit is beckoning to you. The spirit is urging you to go with her. Oh, Cosmo, you're not leaving me.
4: Yes, Melvina, the spirit is willing and my flesh is weak. Bye, Melvina.
3: goodbye. Well, that ought to teach anyone to do better by the boss. Frankly, we're in favor of you men asserting your rights. For instance, if the little woman always makes you get up and get the breakfast, surprise her over the holiday. Say to her, dream puss... You can bring me some golden brown Post Toasties. I'm having breakfast in bed. Now, isn't that a pretty picture? And just wait till you taste that first sunny spoonful of Post Toasties. Man, you'll find it mouth-watering, really swell. Post Toasties have a grand flavor that just hints of golden summer corn, and you'll like the way they stay bubbly light the last spoonful. From then on, you'll be asking for Post Toasties all the time, because they're so refreshing at breakfast, lunch, or snack time. So demand your rights, fella. Have the wife get in some golden brown post toasties. You'll like them. We toast them
7: crisp, we toast them light. you can tell by the taste, we toast them, they're a tasty treat, so good to eat,
0: delicious and light from toasting. Oh, and you know what? We like
5: them. <laughs>
4: Certainly was a great idea of convincing Melvina that I was dead. You've been in our room waiting for the last half hour.
6: Oh, now, Toppy, stop fretting. You'll be out of here soon. You just leave everything to me. Mary, you're invisible. What can you do? Well, if that's all it's worrying, I'll materialize right now. Topper, here I come. Now that you see me, do you think I'm capable of doing something? Quite. Toppy, dear, you just relax. I'm going to take care of you. And when the Undertaker comes, I'm going to be right by your side as your nurse.
4: You're going to be right by my side, Marion? Mm
6: hmm. Holding your hand and smoothing your brow while you play dead.
4: Death, where is thy thing? Oh, Topsy, there's the Undertaker. All right, then. Take it easy with
6: that coffin. Costume is for a dime a dozen, but coffins are
7: valuable. <laughs> that is
6: this, Topsy, play dead.
7: Okay, lady. Where's the (laughs) body?
6: It's right over there on the bed, Mr. Undertaker. I'm the nurse for the late Mr. Topper.
7: Oh, you're the... Hey, lady. Haven't I seen you someplace before? No. No, of course not. Are you sure we didn't bump into each other at a funeral? You must be mistaken. You know, that's funny. I could have sworn I buried somebody like you a couple of months ago. You know, never forget a good-looking corpse.
6: (laughs) 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 Mr. Undertaker, don't you think that you'd better get on with your job? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah,
7: sure. Okay, okay. (laughs) Well, where's the certificate?
6: Certificate. Oh, the certificate. Now, what'd I do with it?
4: Here it is, right on the bed, Mr. Undertaker. All right,
7: thanks a lot, Mr.
4: (laughs) (laughs)
5: Hey,
7: wait a minute. I could have sworn I heard the corpse talk.
6: Now, you know that's nonsense. A corpse can't talk. Listen, I know
7: it, lady. You know it. But does the court know it?
6: Well, surely a man in your profession doesn't believe
7: in spirit. Confidentially, lady, sometimes I've got my doubts. That what I put under the ground stays under the ground. (laughs) Now, look, you're not trying to frighten me, are you? Look, uh, don't scare you too, lady. You know, when that happens to a man in my business... It's time to
5: retire. (laughs) After
7: all these dead people, it's such a pleasure to talk to a live, flesh-and-blood lady like you. (laughs) Will you two stop talking
4: nonsense and get me out of this house before Melvina gets back? Yes, yes. It's
7: (laughs) time to retire right now.
4: Oh, stop shaking like a dish of jello.
7: Mister, If a dead man spoke to you, you'd shake, too. (laughs) (laughs) What am I saying? But I'm
4: not dead. You don't understand Mr. Undertaker. This is all a trick to get me out of the house. Tell him I'm not dead, Marion.
6: You're not dead? Well, of course he isn't dead. He doesn't look
7: dead, does he? Well, in his case, it's not a fair (laughs) test.
4: Oh, don't be absurd. I'm as alive as you are. The only dead person in this room is Marion.
7: Marion? Certainly. Me. Please, lady, look. This is no time for joking.
6: Who's joking? I am
7: dead. And I'm alive. You mean this gorgeous doll is dead and this dried-up little guy is alive? (laughs) (laughs)
5: Oh, no, this is too confusing.
6: I'll tell you what, I'll let you in on a secret.
5: Huh?
6: You worked at my funeral last year. What, sir? My name is Marion Kirby. Isn't it Topper? Of
4: course. Who else could you be? No.
5: No, I don't believe
6: it. You don't? Well, maybe this will convince you. Watch me while I dematerialize.
7: Oh, no, no, no. No, it all comes back to me now. Listen, that's just when the lead the street. <coughs>
4: Then the undertaker jumped through the window. What do we do now?
6: Oh, Doctor, there's no. Vehicle.
4: Now we're trapped. Jump into bed,
6: quick. But
0: for Mr. Copper, I did not
4: sign
7: our death certificate. That's why Let's I returned.
0: Oh, it doesn't matter, Doctor. Poor Cosmo. Oh, this terrible tragedy.
4: Oh, hello, Melvina.
5: Ah!
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, Cosmo. We thought we'd get parted for a better place.
4: That's what I was trying to do all day. <laughs> But my spirit deserted me.
0: Oh, God, well, this is wonderful. A miracle comes to pass. Oh, Dr. Fly, thank you, but we won't need you any longer.
7: God, but...
4: just a moment. What? Let us take a look at Mr. Topper, shall we? We're not going through that again, are we? Well, 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 Mr. Topper. Are we given to blushing? Oh, I know.
7: Uh, perhaps we just ate a sandwich with ketchup? Of course not. Then how
4: do we feel? Fine, in the pink. Mm-hmm. You should be. You've got measles. George didn't have a cold? He had measles, and I had to catch them.
0: Oh, well, Cosmo, you're very fortunate. Mother will be here any minute to nurse you.
7: Oh, heavens. Sir, ah,
0: just come over
7: to Mr. We won't be able to have any visitors. We'll have to be quarantined. No one comes in, and no one goes out for two weeks.
0: But that means Mother won't be able to visit us?
4: Measles. Lovely measles. Why didn't I think of getting them before?
5: Oh,
2: Yes, very nice. I think I prefer the film, if I'm being honest. And I'm definitely sure that Cary Grant is a better George Kirby. But still, nice to know that somewhere out there, there are further adventures for Roland Young's Topper and his Supernatural Pals. Well, that's all there's time for this week. Don't forget to go on over and enter the Brighton Strangler competition. And if you have a spare few moments, please do go on over and sign up to be a patron of these shows. It only takes a moment and your very kind support allows me to keep on making these. If you're interested, go to www.patreon.com or look for the link in the show notes. For more info, listen on to the end of this show. Until next time then, my friends, take awfully good care of yourselves, and bye for now. If you'd like to support this show, you can do so by going to www.attaboyclarence.com and clicking on the Patreon banner. Pledges start from as little as $1 a month. And in return, you'll receive exclusive emails, bonus episodes, previews and eBooks. And every dollar pledged goes towards making these shows better and more frequent. Go to www.attaboyclarence.com or click the link in the show notes now to become a patron. Thank you.